now to the word section. Last week, I started talking about knowing the Holy Spirit, knowing the Holy Spirit. And this is the second uh, part of this series. So uh, last week, I tried to establish the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. I try to help us understand that if we can get it, get to understand the truth that human beings are fundamentally a spirit and that we are not just our bodies, we're not, we not our looks, then it might be easier for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. When it comes to um, appearance, in a sense, uh, the difference between ourselves and the Holy Spirit is that we have a body, but he does not have a body. Right, Jesus is of the deity, the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost. Of the deity, Jesus was the only one who has a human body, right, a resurrected body, and that's why people can see Jesus. Nobody can ever see the Holy Spirit. Someone may say, but the Holy Spirit is is uh, depicted as a dove. No, that's the right word. They're depicted as a dove in the book of John. Now, if you read the book of John properly, you see that John said. God told him, upon whom you see the Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove, not a dove, right? So the Holy Spirit is not a dove. The Holy Spirit is not an oil. The Holy Spirit is not water. The Holy Spirit is not wind, right? All this, you know, there are depictions of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is a person, <clears throat> is a person, right? I'm, I'm thinking, should I talk about this or not talk about this? So when you hear things like, the, the anointing hall is Holy Spirit in a bottle. That's an insult on the person of the Holy Spirit. I repeat, if you are told that the Holy Spirit, that the anointing oil is the Holy Spirit in a bottle, is an, is, 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 is an insult on the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, the anointing oil is not the Holy Spirit in a bottle. I don't know where they get those, those, those thinking from, right? Those philosophies from, right? The Holy Spirit is a person, is the Spirit of God, and you cannot cage him. The Holy Spirit does not dwell in, in a particular church or congregation. When some people say, you know, we are the one the Holy Ghost is with us. That's a lie. The Holy, the Holy Spirit is a gift of God to every believer. Right? The gift of God to every believer. So whether a believer belongs to a local assembly or they do not belong to the local assembly, they, they, you know, they are entitled to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a gift to all believers. Right? <clears throat> Can I even, even, even if I want to, excuse me, even if I want to take it one step further, right? The Holy Spirit is a promised gift to the world. God's promised gift to the world. If we go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, the Bible tells us about the fact that um, the Holy Spirit was a promise. You know when you talk about the promise of Abraham, so the blessings of Abraham. Let's go there. Galatians 3, 14. Galatians 3, 14. So the Bible says that it redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So if anybody have told you that the promise of the Spirit, no, sorry, Abraham's blessings is a cow, cattle's, you know, I think we'll have a better species of, uh, I, I, no, that's why I can, I, this is where it's getting exciting now, because uh, Abraham's time, most of them probably are organic. Right, uh, the ones we have now are genetically modified animals to a very much extent. So, but that's still not a reason for you to covet the cattle's. And would you even look after them? Man, I I don't want to. I don't. Okay, I don't know how the service is going this morning. But to be honest with you guys, I don't think I want to be a farmer. But I, I'm thinking of going to farming so I can make 
I can um, make food uh, as a business, right? So that and I can make some money from the government and from people, right? But I don't think I'll be thinking of going to export or import or find the lineage of the cows I want to buy, whether they're traced to Abraham's cow. Man, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm just trying to help us to think, to reason things properly. If you are joining us for the first time, this is my style. I try to help us to reason, to think in the word of God. Believers should be intelligent people, not dumb people. I repeat, believers should be intelligent people, not dumb, D-U-M-B, dumb people. We are not dumb people. So we should be able to use our brain and think. Amen. You will not say I'm insulting people. I'm talking to all of us together. So let's learn to engage our brain. You may think, where does that come from? Uh, <clears throat> the thing is this. Uh, sorry, I just got a, a little bit of distraction there. <clears throat> so we should be able to use our brain and think. So you may be thinking, where does that come from? I'll say, I'll say this to you. There was a time that I used to be part of a local assembly and we, we, all, all that we want to do, we, we put it on God, right? We put all we want to do on God. So we expect God to do everything for us. And we, uh, all of this under the guise of divine direction, divine direction. When God has to speak to you, you don't take that step until God speaks to you. You don't, yes, we should depend on God, on God and God should lead us. But that doesn't mean that we should, we don't take any step at all. Right. So I was asking God a question at that time about something in my life. And he said, he gave me, he, he asked him the first question and he answered me. Then I asked him the second one. Do you know what he said? He said, that's why I give you your brain. Use it. I felt so embarrassed. And from there, I started using my brain. Now, let me, let me apply a word of caution here. I'm not saying that we should apply our brain to the exclusion of the help of the Holy Spirit. What I'm trying to say is that there's some things that are just common sense. Right, like standing up to wash, brush your teeth in the morning was just common sense, right? And ideally, you should brush your teeth in the evening, in the night before you go to bed. And that's a few things, you know. You don't pray, you don't, you don't, you don't sit on your bed and say, "Father, should I go and wash my teeth? Should, should I brush my teeth?" No, you know, I've had some ridiculous things from some funny Christians. So you hear things like, mm, "There's a move of the spirit," and I think the Lord wants me to be still here. You're gonna be poor if you remain still on your bed and you don't go to work. Right, so there's some things that are just common sense, um, but that does not mean that we should not walk in the consciousness of the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna pack that this way. It's the best way, from my understanding, is that we retain a consciousness of the Holy Spirit, and we believe that He's steering us in a direction we should go. So we take steps. We take the steps you're supposed to take. Right, whatever common sense steps that we think we need to take. Now, it's just it's just common sense. I give you another example. You are starting a new job and, um, you know, your responsibilities in the job is increasing. It's just common sense that you think about training yourself, watching some videos, taking some courses or getting somebody to train you to better do your job. To me, it's just common sense. Not that people go to job all the time, go to their work all the time and they don't improve themselves. And um, they say things like, uh, God will do this. God will promote me. God of my fathers. God of this. God of that. No, and they and they are fasting and praying for promotion. Guys, I've had two promotions in my workplace, and I did not pray for them. I'm not saying God was not behind it. The one that I even experienced recently was kind of dramatic how it, how it happened. Right? God works out people's promotion, but to a very much extent, if you don't develop yourself, if you don't train yourself, if you don't obscure yourself, if you don't make, if you don't have more value to yourself from the point of increasing your improving your skill set. Fast and pray to tomorrow, nothing will happen. See, so businesses, 
and organizations were not set up to give out free money. Amen. Businesses and organizations were not set up to give out free money. You know, we hire people to have a particular value and we pay them in exchange for the value that they bring to the table. So all those fasting and praying so that you can get a job, let me help you a little bit here. The question is, for the jobs that are out there, the demands that, they have, that are out there, do you have the skill sets to deliver those to deliver value to meet those needs? Because guys, I'll tell you, there's always jobs. I, I was once in a workplace in a, in a in a in a company, and we were looking for resources. We interviewed quite a number of people, but none of them were fit for the role, and the role was open. And I thought to myself one day, I said, you know. You know, someone is fasting and praying somewhere in their house, right? Or maybe even some of the guys we interviewed were fasting and praying. But the problem is that we are not by. The problem is that they did not have the right skill set to fit into the role, right? So I'm trying to balance things here. We depend on God for as our source to look after us to provide for us. But money doesn't come from heaven. Somebody's got to work. You got to have value. You got to make yourself available in certain places. You got to send out your CVs. You got to take steps. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Excuse me. So there are some common sense things we should do, uh, although we should, you know, for to me, they're just common sense and not just depend on God and say, you know, God has to move me to do this. God will never move you to do anything. I repeat, God will never move you to do what you should do. See, all those thoughts of God will move me, God will move this person, I don't really agree with them. Right, God will inspire people, but if people don't move, nothing will move. Because as I am right now, God is not moving me. To, God did not move me to come and preach this morning. I had to stand up from bed. I had to prepare, set things, or pray, study the word to come and minister to you guys this morning. So thinking that the power of God will come upon you one day to do what you're supposed to do, you are faking you and fooling yourself. So you gotta take responsibility. God is speaking to someone this morning. I'm trying to get into, into the, what I have for you guys this morning, but <laughs> this is just heavy in my heart and I just have to discharge it, right? And release it to, uh, to you guys. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is a person. Um, the Holy Spirit is a person. We can relate with him. And then tracing it back to where I was, what, what I was talking about earlier on, is the anointing oil is not the spirit in the bottle. It's not the Holy Spirit in the bottle. You cannot bottle the Holy Ghost. Is the power of God. Amen. Now, let's look at a few things that Jesus, let's start looking at a few things that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Let's go to the book of John chapter 14. John 14. 16. So if you have more questions based on the things I've talked about, connect with us in Transformers Connect. And um, I will be able to create some time for us to smash that, to deal with it, to elaborate on it. Excuse me. <clears throat> As we go about the topics we uh, will be talking about next Wednesday. So John 14, 16, I will be reading from, I'll be reading the NIV. Uh, if, if, if we don't read here, we're going to go down up to verse 26. So the Bible reads, uh, I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comfort, another advocate. Okay, let me try the uh, New King James. Verse 16. Okay, he does say, okay, let's, I'll, I'll carry on with this. One second, let me see this. 
I want to use a particular, um, let me go there. Let me try and look for King. Is it King James? I call it now. Right, King James, let's go there. Yeah, so let me use King James here. <clears throat> and the reason why I want to use King James is because I want to be able to help you guys really understand. So I want to paint a picture in your mind. Now, so the King James Version, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, not, neither knoweth him. You know, when you say see it, it means see. Knoweth. When you say knoweth, it means know. Right? So this is a King James English. Right? Because it knoweth him not. Uh, so I'll take that again, verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the word cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he, dwell, he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. Which means the world will see me no more. But ye see me. Talking about you, you see me. This is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> but ye see me, because I leave. You shall leave also. At that day ye shall, ye, shall, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that had my commandment and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Verse 22. Judah said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So, Mark verse 23. Now, he that, lo he that loveth me, so he that loveth me not, keepeth not my sins, and the word, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, excuse me, verse 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So for the sake of the kids and for the sake of um, this new generation, let's go to uh, New King James, because that, you know, that's kind of kind of more of the English that we speak right now. It's, that's why it's called New King James. So I'll quickly look at a verse um, 16. 16 and 17, it said, Now, it said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Right? And it said, it calls him the spirit of truth. So if you go to verse 26, uh, verse 23, I mean. No, sorry, verse 20. Six, that's one. Uh, it said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, it will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said unto you. So what I was trying to call out there is the fact that 
Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Comforter. And what does Comforter mean? If you were if you had to correspond it with other translations, it means a helper, a counselor. So the Holy Spirit is a Comforter, is a helper, is a counselor. I guess some people begin to kind of see where I'm trying, what I'm trying to get at this morning. So. The discouragement many of us face in our lives, please pay careful attention to this. The discouragement, the depression many of us, many of us believers face in our daily lives or when certain things happen to us. And we um, define or we express them as God not happy with you or God has left you. Those things are not true. Now, the reason why I asked us to mark verse 23 is this. Now, Jesus said, answered and said to me, if anyone loves me and he will keep my word, uh, and we keep my, he will keep my word and my, and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So the Bible is saying that here that as believers, as Christians, right, Jesus and God have made their abode in you in the person of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Spirit is a representative of the Father. Because Jesus called him, he said, he called him his own representative. If you read the NIV, yeah, the new NLT, the, the life application. He called the Holy Spirit his representative. So when Jesus said in verse 23, that the Father and myself will love this person, I will come and abide with this person. So he's saying to you that when you believe the gospel, when you trust in God, when you make Jesus Lord of your life, Right, the Father and the Lord Jesus will come and dwell in you, but they will not come and dwell in you physically. That you have God on the you have God physically present in you. Nobody can see God. The Bible tells us that nobody has seen God except Jesus Christ, who came from the Father. And Jesus is spirit. God is spirit. You can't see them with your two eyes. But Jesus, you can see with your two eyes. Mm, we're not born. We were, many of us were not even born. I don't think anyone watching me or listening to me was born at the time of Jesus. If you are, you can try to uh, message me and then we, I would like to have, I have a lot of questions for you. Now we saw Jesus, people saw Jesus at that time because he, he was in his early, um, he appeared in a human form, right? So, but none of us have seen Jesus, right? But Jesus said at that time that the don't want to have seen the father except himself who came from the father, right? So Jesus was saying here that the representative of the Holy Ghost will come and dwell in you and I, in the post, okay, yeah, representative of himself and the Father, the Holy Ghost will come and dwell in you and I. So, and if it says in the book in verse 16 that they will do that the Holy Spirit will dwell with us forever, right? It means under no circumstance or condition will God leave you. Under no circumstance or condition will God depart from you. So for a person to think that God has departed from them, or God does not love them, or God does not like them, they've been wrongly thought, uh, taught. And many people hold on to this thinking because they have extended emotions to a place, to an ungodly place. So one question I have for you is this. Listen to this carefully. Before you gave your life to Christ, before you became a Christian, the original Christian, who received Jesus into their life by believing that he died for them and was raised from the dead for them, you know, that's how we become Christian. Romans chapter 10. Now, the Bible tells us that even while we were sinners, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, while we were sinners, that God loved us. While we were still sinners, God loved us. 
and Jesus died for us as an expression of the love of the Father for us. Now tell me, when you were not saved, did you feel good about God's goodness and kindness towards you? The answer, I believe, is no, because you did not even know God then. So why is it now that when you are born again, that you are feeling you are not feeling good in the particular that you think the love of God for you has changed? It makes no sense. We cannot determine or judge God's presence in our lives by our emotions. It is not correct. Can I make can I paint it very bad to you? It is insanity. It's insanity for us to judge God's presence in our life by our emotions. It makes no sense. Because you're not feeling good on a particular day, you think that God has departed from you. It makes no sense. Or because you messed up and you're and your heart is condemning you that what you've done is wrong, you think God has departed from you, it makes no sense. These things are not adding up. It shows that we don't know the word of God. And it's not to condemn us this morning, and this is why we're talking about this. In this series, the Holy Spirit is a helper, is a comforter. So when you are depressed based on whatever happens in your life, whatever depression, whatever is oppressing your mind, now, the Holy Spirit is not the one behind it, working it in you. See, all those thinking that the Holy Spirit is condemning you and wants you to be depressed for a reason, they are stuck on godly thinking. It's ungodly to think that God is doing evil to you to teach you a lesson. I've had all manner of ridiculous things in my life. And God, the people will say things like, God is doing things this to them, or God did something to them, something evil, to, so that it can take glory. It makes no sense. I was watching a... A couple on TV and one of those, um, yeah, and their child was sick. And the couple said, and the, the wife and husband, okay, the husband, let's start with the husband. The husband said, um, he believes God wants to achieve something through this. I can't exactly, I remember exactly how he said it, but the wife actually said that. So the, the husband believes he needs to sow some seed because there's this tele evangelist who was very, very uh, gullible and covetous who collects money from people online so <clears throat> they've been to this guy's meetings and um, they've paid some ridiculous amount of money you know based on the demand of the guy and um, their child didn't get healed and they were talking to this man again i mean some some guys were interviewing him and they said you know what he, still, he thinks he still needs to give more money to god so that god can heal his son i think the son or daughter i can't remember but he needs to give more money to god so that god can heal their child and, the, and they, so they asked the wife, they asked, uh, okay, what's he, okay, if your child is not healed, you know, after your husband has given this morning, what do you think? Do you think this man of God is real or not? And she says she, will, she believes that it is God who is doing this in their life so they can take glory. God has a plan. God has a purpose. This is where I'm going. It makes no sense because as a, ch- as a human being in their right mind, I repeat, as a human being in their right mind, nobody will watch their child writhe in pain and agony. A parent who takes joy and delight in their child, uh, and okay, who takes joy and delight in inflicting pain on their child is insane. They're mad. Let me let me use the let me use the word that can get our attention. A, 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 I repeat. You know, I've been using the word insane. I've been using the Polish terms. But so let me say paint it so that we can get it. A parent who delights in inflicting pain on their child, right? Beat the child or break the leg of the child 
you know, beat the child with chemicals. Such a parent is mad. In the English you say insane. They, they, are, they are mad. They are supposed to be arrested, taken to the prison, taken to the psychiatric ward. They are not well. So when I make it posh, when I use the my what the kind of English that my English friend don't consider to be offensive, people don't get it. So I repeat, I repeat, any parent who takes joy and delight in inflicting evil and pain on their child is mad. So anybody can shut down, stop watching me and comment and say all manner of nasty things. And I bet, I pray that they come and meet me face to face and we're going to drag this. And I don't, I don't usually do that. Even when people are not, when people don't have common sense and they're not thinking right, I just avoid them. Because the gospel I preach is not the debate. So that's why I don't do debate with people. But such parents is what? Repeat after me. They are mad. Now, this way I'm going. So if I deem it madness for a parent to take joy and delight in inflicting pain on their child. So what do we say about God? So if we think that God takes delight and wants to take credit and glory by inflicting sickness and pain on the child because he wants to take glory. If we, you and I agree that such a parent, who, a holy parent, would do that such to their child is mad. So are we saying that God is mentally insane or mentally retarded and he, and he said it's not correct? Because if we see it as madness for an early parent to inflict pain, to take joy and delight in inflicting pain on their children, so when we say God is one inflicting pain on people to take credit, so we are simply saying that God's, God's, God's mental level is lower than that of uh, an insane parent no 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 no. that's what we are saying no don't uh, somebody is saying you're trying to put words in my mouth no let's reason together let's think together an earthly parent who takes joy and delight in inflicting evil and pain on their child we say their head is not correct they are mentally deranged and we now say god almighty god who sent jesus christ to die for you and i we are now saying that he also takes delight into wants to take glory and credit in if by inflicting pain on people. So we 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 so it means one of two things we've done there. We 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 bring God to the level of an insane parent. Right? Or we say an insane parent is better than God in his mental faculty. That's exactly what we are saying. I'm not putting words in your mouth. That is exactly what we are saying. Amen. Jesus said myself and my father are one he said the miracles i do are the things i see my father do he said my meat john chapter 4 my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish it and john chapter um acts 10 38 says that how god anointed jesus christ of nazareth who went about doing good healing all that were pressed by the devil because god was with him so it means that we are not reading our Bible carefully. When we expect God to be the one inflicting evil and harm on people, and Jesus uh, is, a, is a good guy, we are not thinking straight. Amen. I don't know, I, I don't know how I got there. I don't know what, what God is up to there, but let me carry on with, with, with my assignment this, uh, this um, morning. 
So the Bible tells us here that the Holy Spirit is a helper, is a comforter. So depression, so that's why I, that's why I went into the things I tried to explain to us. So depression and some agony, pain that people are going through. No, no. It's not from God. So people should not expect that the Holy Spirit, you know, is one condemning them, oppressing them, you know, you know, tormenting their mind because they sinned against the Holy Ghost. Some horrible thinking. But the Bible calls the Holy Spirit a comforter, a helper. So when the believer is depressed and is in a state of discomfort, what should they do? They should understand they should remind themselves of who the Holy Spirit is and what is doing in them. I'm going to get to some point in future, I mean, in the coming weeks, I mean, and where we talk about baptism in the Holy Ghost and how you can refresh yourself by speaking in tongues, right? Supernatural language of the Spirit, right? How you can edify yourself. So when you feel depression, you can stand your ground and say, this is not from the Lord and, and we'll teach you how to stand your ground against depression. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is a comforter. Uh, we can see in the life of Jesus, you know, Jesus was comforting the sick. He had compassion on the people. He was healing the sick. He had compassion on the sinner. He said he did not come to save people. who are. He said that the, the, the people who are well done in the physician, but the people who are sick. So Jesus came for people who are not spiritually well and we can see him that he actually healed a lot of people who are physically unwell amen so when we look at jesus hopefully we get a gist about god now that god was one who anointed jesus to do good right um, the anointing everything you see jesus did the anointing upon him was from the father so to think god would do otherwise is not to be thinking correctly so hopefully that at this point we 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 are watch we are working on it that you know God is not a mentally deranged God that would take delight in inflicting pain on his children. So let's assume that you've gotten that now. So you you believe now agree with me. Hopefully, hopefully by God's grace, that God and Jesus are on the same page. Let's agree that the Holy Spirit. So to think that the Holy Spirit is an evil spirit or. The Holy Spirit is a ghost or an evil ghost. You know what I'm talking about? Is not to be thinking correctly. The Bible says it's a comforter. So I was trying to explain something to us earlier, honey. You know, when in verse 23, when God, uh, Jesus said, the God, that God and himself will come and dwell in us through their representative, the Holy Spirit. So let us pack this one here, yes, saying that. The Holy Spirit is a comforter, is a helper, is a counselor. He's there for your good. He's here to help you, to help your weaknesses, to give you direction, clarity of direction. So someone may be asking, so pastor, so this, you know, this condemnation I feel when I do something wrong, all this kind of stuff, where did that come from? Let's go to 1 John 3, 18. 1 John 3, 18. So I'm reading the New King James Version. It reads, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth. I'm going to come back to this verse next week because I want to really help us to understand that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. My little children, I'll take it again. Let us not love in word or in tongue. 
but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are the truth and shall assure our heart before him. Verse 20, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. What I'm trying to say here is this. It is not the Holy Spirit who condemns people. Next week, I'll be able to get to John chapter 16, where Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, the world of sin. Many people misinterpret that to say the Holy Spirit is the one condemning them. What I'm, what I'm trying to get to uh, at this point in time is this. Our heart is what condemns us when we go wrong. And if we don't feel some level of you know, condemnation to some extent, that just not that our life should fall apart, not that we should go into a, a state of depression, but if we don't have that check in our heart, okay, let me let me break it into two. So when you do something wrong, something ungodly, you know, your heart should be able to tell you that what you did there was not right, and you should make corrections. You should go to God, ask for forgiveness, and fix yourself. Repent. So that tells you that your heart is sensitive to the Lord. If your heart does not give you that check and show you that what you did is not right, you are in a bad position. And when the Bible talks about people that their heart is seared as with hot iron, that they, they've lost all forms of sensitivity to the Father. So when people keep sinning and sinning to a point whereby their heart is no longer sensitive or cautious or shrink from evil, they're in a very bad place. So the reason why we don't keep sinning is so that we don't leave, we don't lose that sensitivity to the Father, that correction. Our heart doesn't embrace the sin and wickedness as lifestyle. So avoiding sin is for your good, for my good. The Bible tells us in the book of James that when sin grows, it gives birth to death. And that has many forms besides the physical cessation of life where people actually die and they're out of the body. Now, so not sinning is for our own good, right? But when we do feel some condemnation in our heart is our heart, our soul. Now, the other side of, you know, the heart, our heart condemning us is when we are struggling with thoughts, ideologies, memories of condemnation of things in the past that we have done, you know, when we are struggling with uh, religious performance, when you are not able to, when you are not able to perform to the standard demanded of you by your local church, if you are attending a religious church, now that is a, that is another form of condemnation, you know. Uh, uh, you, your, you, if your heart, your soul, when I say your heart, I'm talking about your soul. When your emotions, your mind, your will is trained to perform, to impress God. When you are not doing enough according to what you have been taught to impress God, because your heart has been trained in that, it will condemn you. One of the reasons why we I strongly advise against people giving their ears to religious spirit and religionist is because religion brings condemnation. Religion will declare you not fit for use. 
the religion will hinder your fellowship with the Father. Because religion is performance-based. Religion is man trying to get to God with on his own terms, on the terms of that particular man or woman. So certain terms and conditions for yourself as... Um, certain terms and conditions for yourself and God, so you say that on these terms, on this condition, God will bless you, is practicing religion. And religion is very destructive. Religion hypnotizes people. Religion deceives people. Religion puts people in bondage. Right? Likewise, people can train their heart to love ungodliness. And when people's heart is trained to love ungodliness, they lose sense of sensitivity and correction to God. So you got to be very careful the Christian associations you belong to. Have you realized that when you work with people who are spiritually minded, who love the Lord, who fear the Lord, and you find yourself in the midst of people who are ungodly in their thinking, Christians, both Christians, have you realized that when you move to the other side, you feel you feel you shrink, you feel uncomfortable? Have you noticed that if you give yourself to so much to ungodliness, I'm trying to help us to understand the position, the place of our heart, the, the criticalness of our heart in all of this thing we're talking about. Have you noticed that if you're a person who grew up in church where there's so much seduction, lust, immorality, and we, we have, there are many of them, if you belong to that kind of church and you are used to it, you know, even when, when you are doing evil in, on, in, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're doing evil, and um, stupid things, ungodly things, when you're doing such things, you don't even feel any remorse. Your heart is not cautioning you because you were trained to love evil. You were trained to embrace evil. You were trained to take pleasure and delight in evil. So what your heart is trained on will determine what it will reject or what it will um, what it will reject or what will accept as true. It's your heart. So it's not the Holy Spirit who condemns our heart. So the condemnation we feel sometimes is dependent on the particular condition of our heart. So if a person who has been working, who has been training your soul, your heart in the Lord, in the word of God, when you do something wrong, your heart will tell you what you did there is not correct. You got to make changes. Right, And on the other side, if your heart has been trained, your soul has been trained in evil, in ungodliness. I mean, in, okay, okay let me not go in that evil and ungodly side of things because I'm out of time now. But if your heart, before you give your life to Christ, has been trained in a performance-based relationship with God, or even when you came into Christ Jesus, the churches you attended are the ones that are teaching, that they taught you to live a performance-based relationship with God. And when you are not performing enough, your heart will begin to tell you you are not doing enough. So the Bible is telling us here that when you find yourself in this middle, uh, middle level of <laughs> that has to do with your identity and your relationship with the Father, it is your responsibility to assure your heart that God loves you. Amen. Praise God. The Bible says when our heart condemns us, that God is greater than our heart. So if you have not trained your heart in evil, right, and um, your heart is feeling, and okay, not only your heart in evil, and if you are not uh, done something um, unreasonable, something ungodly, and your heart is checking with you, if all of a sudden you woke up one morning or something happened, or some, you, know, you listen to a preacher who, tell, who tells you that 
God did not bless you or you lost your job or you lost your, your loved one because you did not do enough and your heart is condemning you or because of a sin you committed, that's why God killed your child or something or something. The Bible says that it's your responsibility to assure your heart of what the word of God says or what God says about you. And you have the Holy Spirit that was the spirit of truth. I'll get into that more next, next week. So the Holy Spirit there will tell you the truth about your identity in Christ Jesus. But because sometimes our emotions are, are, are so much caught up in this condemnation, sometimes we are not able to hear the Holy Ghost. And that's why you go pick your Bible and stick your nose in your Bible and keep reading and reading and reading and recondition your mind and your emotions to believe what the Word of God says. So it's our responsibility to condition our mind, to condition our emotions to believe what, God, what the Word of God says. Negative emotions, toxic emotions can evolve anytime. You can, you know, if you don't have a good night's sleep, you can wake up in the morning grumpy. You can wake up in the morning, if you don't, have, if you don't drink enough water, and it could affect your body system. Many things can happen to you that could provoke a negative emotion in you. So, and if you use your emotion as a yastic of your, of your spiritual health, you are using the wrong yastic. You're using, you're using the wrong thermometer. You're using the wrong uh, uh, measurement standard. The word of God is your standard and the word of God should drive our emotions. But we live in a world full of negativity. In the news, news will trigger negative emotions inside of us. And that's why we need to stick our nose in the Bible and, and focus on what the word of God says about us to see the result that God wants us to see. Amen. And so that we can think the way God wants us to think and so that our heart can be in the right place. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is who? Your comforter, is your helper, is there to help you, is not against you, right? He will not leave you is uh, a representative of Jesus and it will dwell in you forever. Amen. Praise God. So thanks guys for your patience. Thank you for the six minutes. You 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 borrowed me. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to return it one day. Amen. Yeah, so guys, we will wrap up 